Chapter Fourteen of Grace Harlowe's Fourth Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen, A Congenial Sextet. As the five girls, escorted by Mabel, descended the broad stairs to the hall, a tall, rather stern-faced man, whose dark hair had just a sprinkling of grey at the temples, came forward from one end of the room to meet them. Mabel made a joyful little rush toward him, holding his hand in both her own. I knew you wouldn't disappoint me. Girls, this is my father. Father, let me introduce you to the nicest girls in Overton. Robert Ashe's sombre eyes smiled a kind welcome as he looked into the radiant young faces of his daughter's guests. As each girl was presented to him, he shook hands with her in a hearty, whole-souled way that completely dispelled any feeling of constraint on her part. "'Father, you may take Elfreda to dinner tonight. Tomorrow it will be someone else's turn. I hope you'll be here to enough meals to go the round.' "'So do I,' laughed Mr. Ash, the stern look on his face disappearing, his brown eyes looking almost boyish. Dinner proved a merry meal. The usually quiet room rang with the gay laughter of the happy girls who had planned to enjoy every hour of their holiday. When dinner was over, Mr. Ashe ceremoniously invited them to be his guests at a theatre party that night. "'We'll have to make one evening dress do duty while we are here, Mabel. We had room in our suitcases for only one and didn't want to bring trunks,' explained Grace, as they lingered in the halls to talk for a moment before going to their rooms to dress." "'Never mind. If you run out of gowns, you can wear mine,' offered Mabel. "'That is, you and Miriam can. I am not so sure of Anne and Elfreda and Patience.' The play Mr. Ashe had selected for his guest's entertainment was one whose strong element of human interest had early carried it into favour with the New York audience that nightly crowded the theatre in which it was being presented. The star, a young woman of exceptional talent, almost a great artist, had by her remarkable portrayal of the leading role sprung from obscurity to fame in a single night. "'I'm so glad we're going to see her,' exclaimed Anne, when Mabel had announced her father's choice of play for them. "'Miss Southard wrote me about her. She played small parts in Mr. Southard's company two years ago. He prophesied that she would some day be heard from.' "'Isn't it a pity the Southards aren't here this winter?' sighed Grace. Mr. Southard was not anxious to go to England, but he could not help himself. It's one of the vicissitudes of an actor's life, isn't it, Anne? Anne nodded gravely. It is pleasant to travel about and see what the rest of the world is doing, but it is hard to leave home, too. Still, you were thinking of doing it when your senior days are over, you bad child, interposed Grace slyly. I warn you, you will meet with strenuous opposition. From you, asked Anne, a little flush creeping into her pale face. "'No, not from me,' retorted Grace, with significant emphasis. "'Don't tease Anne,' laughed Mabel. "'Let genius do as it chooses. "'If you mean me, I choose to go and dress this instant. "'Come on, Patience. "'We'll hurry our dressing and be downstairs first. "'Then we can monopolize Mr. Ash.' "'Oh, no, you don't,' contradicted Elfreda. "'I have reserved that privilege for myself.' "'We're ready,' exulted Anne outside Elfreda's door half an hour later. "'What did I tell you?' "'So am I,' replied Elfreda, opening the door. "'And so is Miriam.' 
Elfreda was looking particularly handsome in her evening gown of golden-brown messaline, trimmed with dull gold embroidery. By constant training and self-denial, she had reduced her weight to 135 pounds and could not be truthfully called stout. Her fair hair was piled high upon her head, and one dull gold butterfly gleamed in its wavy meshes. Miriam's gown was in her favorite apricot shade of crepe de chine, and brought out fully the beauty of her black hair and eyes and her exquisite coloring. Mabel had chosen black silk net over delft blue, while Patience wore a gray chiffon frock over gray silk, with touches of old rose, a frock exactly suited to her calm, high-bred type of face. Anne's dainty white crepe de chine frock made her look anything but a theatrical star. Grace, however, had for once departed from her favorite blue and wore a white chiffon gown whose exquisitely simple lines made the most of her slender, supple figure. The charm of early sixteen radiated from her youthful person, and she looked no older than when she had led the freshman basketball team on to victory in Oakdale High School. Grace can't grow up in spite of her long skirts and done-up hair, smiled Miriam. That is precisely what I was thinking, agreed Anne. Is she sixteen or twenty-three? Aren't you pleased with us, father? And won't you feel inordinately proud of your theatre party? Called Mabel from the stairway as they descended to the hall, where Mr. Ashe stood looking reflectively into the fire as he waited for his charges. Mere words fail to express my admiration, he laughed, bowing to the sextet of pretty girls, who smilingly nodded their appreciation of his speech. "'Isn't he a perfect angel?' asked Mabel, siding up to him and slipping within the circle of his arm. "'I don't see how I ever had the heart to go to college and leave him.' "'She has no compunction about rushing off to work on a newspaper day after day and leaving me daughterless,' complained Mr. Ashe lightly. Yet a shadow so slight as to be hardly noticeable crossed his face, which no one save the lynx-eyed Elfreda saw, who made mental note of it. He doesn't want her to work, was her shrewd conclusion. But I'm here tonight, protested Mabel, catching his hand in hers and almost appealingly. And I'm going to be home for a whole day and evening. Will you forswear business and help me entertain the girls tomorrow? I promise to devote myself heart and soul to their cause, said Mr. Ashe solemnly, raising his hand. Only you must allow me to go down to the office for a little while in the morning. Very well. Remember, all telegrams and telephone messages are to be tabooed after you leave there. Granted. What about all newspaper assignments? Turnabout is fair play, returned Mabel, flushing. They can keep the telephone messages and telegrams company. End of chapter 14